Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Today, I've uh, got a guest who I'm sure you'll be looking forward to speaking with. Now, it's Paul Henderson from Outcome Leaders. Paul's an author, speaker and consultant. He's here to talk with us, which I think is going to be really relevant to a lot of our small business owners out there about how making customers more successful can make your business more successful. So welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thanks very much. Now, Paul, <coughs> just expand on what you do with, with Outcome Leaders. Um, simply, I help IT vendors and I specialise with the IT industry, so software and IT services companies make their customers more successful and, as you said, by doing that, make themselves more comfortable, uh, more successful. We okay. do that through a customer success program. You've, you've got this customer success program, but you've, you've got a pretty extensive background in, in the IT industry. So just for listeners, you just give us a, a bit of an overview of, of, of where you've sure. been and how you've got to where you are. Yeah, so it's not surprising, given that I focus on IT, that that's my background. So the uh, last 25 years or so, I've worked in IT. Um, my last role was running the Asia-Pacific region for an enterprise software company. I had about 200 people uh, supporting 800 customers across nine countries. Uh, we competed with big companies like SAP, Oracle, and so on, and we were in the medium size of that space. In the last five years I was there, two significant things happened. One was... We changed from being a traditional licensed vendor, so everybody paid up front, to being a cloud vendor, so people paid as they went. And the second was we implemented and ran successfully for over five years a customer success program. I've written two books. The first was on execution capability, um, the second to be released in the next few weeks on customer success programs. Uh, the concepts that are in the book on customer success programs, I do know work in our space, in the, the enterprise software space, because we closed million-dollar cloud deals using this stuff. Um, the, the challenge is then translating that to the, the rest of the IT industry. Okay. So, and, and obviously you're, you're dealing, you know, your, your targets are some of the bigger end of town, but I'd imagine a lot of these same um, problems and challenges are faced by the, the, the sort of the listeners of of this podcast and that, that I'm dealing with in small business. So what are the types of problems that you, you typically work with people to solve? So in the IT industry, the, the entire industry is moving to subscription pricing or pay as you go. So for, for your customers, if they've got uh, Microsoft products in the past, they probably bought them up front. These days they may well be um, paying by subscription, paying as they go. And the entire industry is doing that. What the vendors are finding is that if the customers don't feel like they've had success, they stop paying or they reduce the number of users they've got if they're a big company. And that's costing these vendors money. So they've suddenly realised that they've got to help ensure that the customers are successful. So, okay, so you've got your three <laughs> ways that you, that you largely help now, but how do you do that? It, start, it starts with being really clear about what a vendor's customers think success looks like so what would their top management say yep that's a success and it's got to be something for which the vendor is the primary outside provider so we call this bigger outcome that the customers are trying to achieve a success outcome by enabling these success outcomes we help make sure the customers are more successful and that reduces the loss of revenue through churn it gives more opportunity for upsell and cross-sell. 
and it improves new business win rates. It also can be used to come up with ideas for new products and services, which makes sense for both the customer and the vendor. Okay. So you've, you've, you said you've done this in the past with your, your, your corporate work. So um, what led you to, to get out of that and decide to do, do this yourself with your business outcome leaders? Yeah, look, about seven or eight years ago, I, I looked at the industry I was working in, you know, this enterprise software, and I was really unhappy with a level of success that, that customers generally across our industry at the time were experiencing. You know, we were putting software in and they weren't always getting the kind of returns that they were looking for. And so I, we made the decision that we were going to do something about that. So we had a look at what our customers bought our software for and we defined our success outcome as helping operational effectiveness, getting the operations of the business working well. And we said, look, we can do a lot more for the customers than we are than just providing software. There's a lot of other things that the customer has to do themselves. Why don't we see if we can help the customers with some of those things and help make them more successful? And that's what we did. So we, we implemented what we called our outcomes program, what in today's world would be called a customer success program. And we ran that successfully for over five years. At the end of that five years, I realised that a lot of companies in the IT space would be able to benefit from the experience that we had. So I decided it's time for me to go out and, uh, and develop a business and write a book about the experience that we had. And I spent a year, I've spent the last year researching the topic, so looking at what other companies and so on are doing, and that's what's led to the final book. Awesome. So, Paul, you, you, your customer success outcome in, in one of the examples you've had was operational effectiveness, but um, can you just expand on, on what operational, or not operational effectiveness, what, what's, the, what's the success outcome? How, how do you know what your success outcome would be for yeah. a small business? Yeah, it's a good question. So perhaps just let me describe what a success outcome is and a little bit um, just to, to give some clarity around that. So the success outcome I mentioned is an outcome the customer would regard as success. Um, there are two types of outcomes. There's a product outcome, which is the direct benefit of using a product or service. And then there's a success outcome, which is the bigger outcome that customers actually want when they buy the product or service. Now, let me illustrate that. Um, if we go to a, a hardware store and we buy a drill bit, the hardware store manager is pretty smart. They know we don't want to own a drill bit for its own sake. We want to drill a hole in the wall. That hole in the wall is a product outcome. It's the direct benefit of using the product. But that's not what success looks like for us. Success might be hanging that family portrait we've just had framed on the lounge room wall. If we successfully get that photo up, the family portrait up on the wall, we've had success. Success isn't the hole in the wall. It's the, it's the framed photo on the wall. Similarly, if we went to a restaurant, you know, the, the owner might think, yeah, my job is to provide great food and service. But, and that is important for us. We go there because we like the food. But that's, the reason we go to a restaurant is to have a great night out with family and friends. And that's what success looks like. And if something spoils the night out, even though it may be completely unrelated to the food, you may never go back to that restaurant again. Maybe there was a noisy person on the table next door, next door who upset what we were doing, or even the family didn't get on and didn't have a great night. Regardless, it's not the restaurant's fault, but we may not ever go back to that restaurant. So the idea in the book 
is be very clear about that success outcome, that end outcome the customer is trying to get to, and do everything you can to help the, gust- the customer achieve that success outcome. Okay. So in that example, I guess there's some success outcomes that would be beyond your control, but there's many that would be. So in the, in the restaurant example, um, we probably can't control whether the family are fighting or not or getting on, but you can control the environment and the spacing between your tables and the way um, perhaps the interaction with other guests at the restaurant or the, or the guest experience at the restaurant is. Yeah, look, you know, maybe just to expand on that, on that restaurant idea a little bit, just imagine you're a family restaurant and the family's come along and the kids, that, you know, the kids have got their mobile phones and they're on the mobile phones and the parents are wanting to have an interaction and it's driving them nuts. The kids can't, won't get off the phone. But, and that might spoil the night out for the family. So what could the restaurant owner do about that? Well, instead of fighting against the, the mobile phones, maybe they could make the mobile phones part of the fun. So have a little quiz of some sort, you know, like a, a trivia night. And the kids get to use their phones to get answers and, uh, and the family participate. And maybe, the, you know, there's a big ice cream dessert for the winning family and they, you know, they compete amongst tables. So use that as a way to enhance the customer outcome for the family. Uh, just as an example, there's a, there's a way by thinking about, for a restaurant, a family restaurant, but it's the success outcome might be something like, great family night out. The job of the restaurant owner is to think about what are all the things I could do other than just providing food that would make sure the customers had a great fun family night out together. And if they're creative, they'll come up with lots of really good ideas that will enhance the fun part as well as providing the food side. Yeah, I, I love it. So they're actually, yeah, they're just going that another two or three layers deeper and, and you know, thinking outside the, the traditional box of where, where, I guess, if they stop at the first level, they'll think, well, it's not my problem, whereas they're, they're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. Um, and to your point around creating regular, in a restaurant world, regular recurring revenue from, from your, your clients is absolutely vital. So if, if, they're, if they've solved that or removed that blockage or barrier to, and, it, and they do have a great family fun experience, um, if that is their customer success outcome, then, you know, that clients go, customers are going to be happy, but they're also going to have the benefit of that recurring revenue because they've, they've dug deeper. And that's what I guess your, your program is, is aiming to deliver, helping businesses find whatever their additional um, things they can do to, to truly deliver uh, customer success. That's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. Um, <clears throat> so just thinking, uh, can businesses outside of the IT, you know, you've obviously got a, a vast experience in IT world, but you've just, look, you've just mentioned restaurants. Can do it. So, um, what, can, can this apply to any industry or only some industries? What, what are your thoughts? You know, it's a good question. I, my, my feeling is it can, but, you know, why don't we test it out? Um, well, you know, how about your business? You know, if I look at, you know, if I were to ask you um, for, for your practice, what are the sort of business results, the, the success outcome that a that, that customer might want to achieve? How would you respond? Okay, well, it's probably could break it down into a couple of parts, I'd imagine. Like, first, um, what I'd probably refer to as the staying out of jail services, uh, you know, that they want their accounting and tax done efficiently, fully compliant, knowing that they're paying the right amount of tax and, and but no more. So that's, and, you know, their lodgements are up to date. Um, and that's, I guess, your stereotypical accountant tax agents type service. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that we, we work with clients uh, in the small business arena in my, in my accounting firm, uh, 
you know, they're, they're looking for a, a little bit or a lot deeper than just the, the lodgement. They, they want us to help understanding their numbers, knowing their numbers, giving them, um, taking out the surprises, looking into the future, uh, analysing their, their results and, and helping them using our experience to help them identify where the pitfalls are and also the opportunities are for the future so that they can grow their, their revenue, increase their margins and profit, uh, protect the, their assets uh, and, and of course uh, improve cash flow. So that's probably the second layer that we, we work with small business owners on. Okay, so let's see if we can break that down a little bit. So if we look at that first part, doing the you know the more traditional accounting side of things. It's uh, a lot of it revolves around the tax, and we and clearly you know customers or clients, I'm sure, want minimum tax possible. But they want to sleep at night as well, so they need to be compliant. They don't, they don't, as you say, you know, they don't want to go to jail. So you know, perhaps the first part of it, if we looked at a success outcome, might be something like minimum compliant tax. Is the is the business result that you create for your customers? So that's the the term that you would. Uh, yeah. So we want to try and put a you know we put, we almost like a tagline. We want to create for this. So for the so, success outcome. So in your former business, you mentioned operational effectiveness, but in this example, minimum compliant tax. You think could be? It could be. Pretty yeah. Yep. Yeah. You'd need to test that with customers and make sure that they, you know, that that resonated for them. But that might be, you know, for the first part, that might be right. And the second part? Yeah. So the second part is really about your customers feeling confident about their future. And I, you know, I know that you have the skills to be able to analyse the customer's business, look at their numbers and give them some predictions and tell them whether or not they're on track. Um, and in particular, if things might be coming off the rails, to get some early warning about it. So that they really become much more confident about their future. Um, so if I, was to, if I was to tag that one, it might be something like future confident. So if we were to put them together, perhaps it's, you know, tax compliant and future confident. You know, that might be the success outcome that your, your business delivers for your customers. Okay, so let's say we've tested it, we've spent some time and... and and we've got a, a success outcome phrase in, in a sort of a, a three or four word phrase. What what do we do with it then? How does that? What do, how do we use it? So there's probably three significant things you can do. The first is um, for a small business, you'd use it as part of your marketing. So that becomes the message that you take out to the market. So when you're trying to attract new customers, even when you're talking to existing customers, this captures the heart of the business result or the success outcome that you enable for your customers. If you've got it right, they react positively to that. They go, yes, that's, a, that's something that I want. Yeah, you know, that makes sense to me. I understand it and I want it. And buying is first and foremost an emotional decision and then it's logical. So what we want to do by appealing to a success outcome, which is something that has an emotional connection for the customer, they react by going, I want that, then that improves our ability to sell. And then they can figure out afterwards what the justification is for going with you as a service. So first thing is we use it in our sales, we use it in our marketing. The second thing we can use it for is we can create new products. So go back to our family fun restaurant. We talked about ways of making it more fun. Maybe there's some new product or service that can be offered that they can charge for that add fun to the night out for the family. And the family would be happy to pay it. So as an example, we look for ways of doing more of achieving the success outcome for the customer 
And that gives us ideas for coming up with new products or services that they can offer to the customers. The third is this idea of recurring revenue. And more and more businesses are wanting to have a steady stream of, of income coming in, of revenue coming in, and not always be based on sell a service, get some revenue, sell another service, get some revenue. They really like to have a service or a product that generates ongoing revenue. So we can use this as a way of um, the, the success outcome as a way of defining an ongoing service that might be able to generate constant revenue every month, every quarter, every year, it's generating revenue for us. So they're the three ways. We use it in our sales and marketing. We, we use it um, to come up with ideas for new products and services. And we use it as a way of trying to drive some recurring revenue into our business. Right. Uh, makes a lot of sense. And, and even on that, just the restaurant example, differentiating and getting the emotion. If you, if you get that, I guess, success outcome really clear and it resonates, getting people out of uh, using necessarily logic or, or commoditizing every transaction, but getting their heart and emotion into it, that will easily win over a, a great deal more um, of your clients and, and at a better margin as well. Uh, also, love the idea about using using this methodology to come up with new products or solutions out there that, that could add to the bottom line, but also add to the experience that ultimately, um, you know, is, I guess, forcing people to to step back and think a little differently about what they're offering, what they're truly offering. They're not just offering uh, a meal and, you know, some clean plates and fresh food, um, but, but the whole experience. So, yeah, um, great, Paul. So, look, let's try a different business, though. Um, what about if you're a plumber? Plumber or a tradesperson of some kind? But let's, let's go with plumber if you're happy to go with that. What could be their success outcome? Hmm, okay, let's give it a try. Um, so when do we use plumbers? So I suppose we use plumbers when we're building a house initially. But after that, pretty much the only time we want to talk to plumbers is if something goes goes wrong. Um, so we have a pipe burst or we have our sewage backed up or something like that. Um, and we, we call in the plumber um, mostly to get our pipes healthy again, you know, to get the water flowing or get the sewage flowing. Or, so we want healthy pipes. So maybe, you know, for a, for a plumber, the success outcome that they enable for their customers, the average householder like you and me, is healthy pipes. So, um, you know, maybe as a way of generating additional revenue, uh, they, a plumber could offer a health check. So instead of waiting for something to go wrong, they could offer a service to come in and do, you know, do the analysis on the pipes to ensure that things are okay so that we proactively stop damage to pipes or sewage, fix it before it actually occurs, and that way maintain the healthy pipes. Yeah, or, or, and correct me if I'm on the right path here, but just maybe healthy pipes, health, healthy water. Um, you know, maybe there, there's an opportunity for plumbers getting people into the filtered water market and having that recurring could be a, you know, making sure that they're getting measurable clear and measurably clean, pure water through, you know, a filter or, you know, pr providing a certain, and that, that could be, again, a recurring revenue um, opportunity where they come out and service that intervals that are, and, and at the same time they go through and do the, the other pipe sort of um, work that you touched on. So um, I guess using this methodology, even though we've just, yeah, throwing out an example off the top of our head here, it could be, you know, 
finding uh, a service that uh, not only you, you're doing some preventative maintenance, but you're also actually creating another whole other service like a, a, a fresh water system or a filtered water system that is over and above what would otherwise have been sold to the customer and generates some ongoing recurring service. I love it. I love it. It's great thinking. Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. And I, I guess that's part of the whole methodology you're using to just throw a whole lot of ideas out there and you know drill down until we find some other another new products or services that could be potentially taken to the market. Exactly right. And it's, you know, the, the, uh, the people that, that, uh, that I help, it's amazing the ideas that they come up with. They just, you know, once, that, once you've got that context for thinking about new ideas, coming up with new ideas and new products, sky's the limit with what people come up with. And then I guess for plumbers, typically they, they might be on a they might be able to put someone on a if you're thinking big here, get their get their client list on an annual fee, um, where they might get a, a six monthly service or a, or you know so they might go and do some preventative stuff, improve the quality of the water. They can plan to do all these services in a in a, a cost effective fashion rather than a reactive fashion because uh, many of today's plumbers are, are probably everything is an emergency. Um, and, and so if they're, they're out there treating half of these issues in advance, well, maybe that, that's actually going to streamline their business as well and they'll be able to do, you know, a whole suburb at a time rather than, you know, jumping from suburb to driving halfway across town to go to the next job. So uh, it could really ramp up the efficiency, of, you know, in this plumbing example. I like that idea too. So it'd be almost like a roadside assistance or something like that where they where a householder pays a certain amount per year, they get regular health checkups done and maybe they could even have a, you know, it's a free call-out service. So if something actually breaks, then there's someone on call and they're out there immediately. Because, you know, I don't know how you feel, but if you're in an emergency situation, you're not feeling like you're getting a great deal from the plumber. They're going to, you know. <laughs> but if, uh, if you were negotiating an annual contract that then included free call-out if something went wrong, you know, you could negotiate a good deal, but it would also mean that you're not faced with hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of um, emergency charges. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. idea. You're pretty, I tell you, Warwick, you're good at this. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Well, uh, uh, okay, we've solved the pro problems of the plumbers business. And I guess, you know, all these things, I, I think it's probably wise if there's any plumbers out there just shaking their head going, oh, Warwick, that wouldn't work, Paul, that wouldn't work. That's fine. We're not necessarily suggesting what we've come up here is the be all and end all. It's just the, the methodology and the thinking behind to, you know, and let's work out why something, you know, throw, throw enough good ideas out there and there will be some stuff that it, it will actually be so different to what anyone else is doing that you're going to differentiate yourself in the market and it, and it really could work. So let, let's move on maybe to um, away from a, a trade type situation. But what about, a, you know, if you're a commercial lawyer or a or a lawyer that looks after small businesses, um, what, what would their uh, client success outcome look like? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, probably the first thing, they're trying to help businesses minimise legal risk, first of all. So you're helping, you know, you're getting contracts done with them, so contracts are, are complete and don't miss anything. You're getting advice about um, how to, to avoid um, being in breach of legislation and so on and so there'd be a bit of an element in there about minimum legal risk. Um, and then there's, 
if something does go wrong and someone takes legal action against you, then you want that settled in the most effective way possible. So I guess, you, you know, the success outcome would be minimising legal risk and damage or, you know, maybe something like that, you know. That, um, okay, yeah. And and if, if uh, the law firm, um, I guess, then they've got the option of potentially packaging that up if, if they if they get really good at nailing that whatever whatever it is for their target audience i guess yeah and then we've plenty of legal firms that look after businesses on retainer or they could package those services up and perhaps be a bit more proactive around addressing some of these legal issues as part of a, a fixed fee rather than being reactive and only being called on board when when there's a, a a case to defend or a or a, a claim to be made against someone who hasn't hasn't done what they're required. So. You know, I think that idea that you've just talked about there of proactive is a great underpinning of recurring revenue. So, in the case of our of our commercial lawyer, instead of reacting when something goes wrong or when they're asked to do something like write a contract, perhaps there's a service where they come in and do a legal audit, and they'll they'll just go and have a look at how the business is running and give some advice to the owner about how much risk they're incurring. At least the owner's informed. And, you know, that would proactively um, minimise the chances of that owner running into problems. You can't so, so you might, they, might, they may be flying out there unprotected because of some contracts or lack of contracts that they've got in place. At least it's flagged to the owner and, and as part of that, and then, you know, then it's up to them to implement the, the next steps to, to address it. But, again, if... if Nothing like doing that on your own time or under less pressure than than attempting versus attempting to do that when the the heat of battle is on or you know a, you know a customer hasn't paid you or or there's you know you, you don't want to be negotiating from a position of weakness you'd far prefer to be addressing these things and fixing them um, uh, proactively. It makes so, sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It also means that I think the customers' legal costs are much more predictable. And that, and that for most, you know, for most businesses, having predictability about expenses is almost as important as the actual cost, you know, the actual oh, expenses. Definitely. No one, no one wants surprise, well, certainly in the accounting space and small business space, um, it's the surprises. So when I talk to clients about knowing their numbers, a lot of that is just about eliminating the surprises. So the, the clients are, are going to an accountant or and they send off their books or the, the paperwork to, oh, and then they cross their fingers and they don't know whether the bill's going to be, you know, five thousand or twenty-five thousand. That 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 must be stressful. And it, to me, that's an indication that they don't have a good grasp of the running of their business. Now. So, Paul, you know, obviously you you've literally written the book on 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 this. <laughs> um, but uh, what if someone? If you were, you know, obviously people can get in touch with you and we'll, we'll put your contact details in the show notes and whatnot. Um, but what are the sort of the, talk us through the process of how you, you help clients with their customer success, their uh, programs. And, and if, if um, because I imagine a lot of these things, they're, they're translatable to small business. That's why you're on the show. Um, where should people kind of start? What are the steps and, you know, uh, that they could do on, on their, their small business? <clears throat> Okay, so the methodology that we, um, that we take customers through is a six-step process. We start out by identifying the success outcome that the business serves. It's a great exercise to get people to really think about what results or outcomes their customers actually need from them. Second is we look at the customer engagement lifecycle. 
So how do customers engage with them? How do they choose to buy them? So this is from before they're even a prospect through to selling them, closing them, delivering the service, and then continuing to deliver that service. Um, so that's all the touch points from before they're a client through to final delivery. That's it. Everything exactly. Is. So we, we map out the entire customer engagement lifecycle, what we call the success lifecycle. We then do a, a, an execution capability gap. So we've mapped out the perfect engagement. How able are we to deliver that today? So what new skills or processes or systems or partners might we need to be able to do that? Once we've done that, we come up with a, an implementation plan and, and it's a staged rollout. We, try, we generally don't try and do this big bang with IT vendors. Um, we then have that staged rollout. So there is a, 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 a change management plan that we take people through. And then finally, there's a growth planning module that goes with this. The last step is around growth planning. And that's uh, we have nine different uh, methods that we use for calculating or coming up with growth ideas and then a, a process called capability circles to bring that back to a, a sensible um, set of actions that, that an organisation can digest and actually enable. Okay. You know, they're, they're, so um, out, outcomeleaders.com is the website. Um, there's another one that, that, and that'll lead you to a specific site on this process. So there's website actually has two branches to it. One does execution capability. The other does customer success. So they can follow that outcomeleaders.com. Um, and that's probably the simplest and easiest way to catch us. Okay. If they're, if they're interested, um, they don't have to commit to the program, the full program upfront. Uh, we do a thing called a customer success study where we'll come and do some parts of those first two or three steps I talked about in a couple of days' work. Um, and that will give them everything they need to know as to whether a customer success program is right for their business or not. So that is a, an, it's an interim step um, yeah. that they can take. Small businesses, let's just in, let's summarise why they would do it. Just nice, warm and uh, fuzzy feeling to say, oh, our clients are more successful, their customers are more successful. But, you know, what, what's, what, the what's in it for me, people out there? Why, why should they really be, you know, can you get reaffirm? why this is good business to do this. Yeah. Look, I, you know, these sort of programs should always be done with self-interest in mind in the end. You know, it, it's great if you can actually make some fantastic things happen for your customers as well, but we don't, you know, there does have to be a, a healthy measure of self-interest in all of this. So why, why would someone want to use the kind of principles of the, what we call our Generation 3 Customer Success Program? Number one, they get clarity about the outcome that their customers really want to achieve. But that answers the question, why do, I, why do my customers give me money? So that they can get absolute clarity about why they actually get paid. Number two, it, it helps them create opportunities for new products, new services. They can see using that outcome that there are new things that they might be able to do. can also use that because that's the emotional connection. Because people can, care about the success outcome that gives them an improved chance of winning the business if that's what they're going and presenting and talking to customers about or potential customers about. So they're getting a better a better strike rate for, you know, if they're presenting, they're only converting five times out of ten, they might go up to six or seven, which means, you know, that's a, the same amount of work as delivering more clients at the top end. Exactly right. Yep. And, and related to that, it, it makes them look different and better. So it's differentiation. So, you know, if four plumbers turn up and, they, and three talk about, uh, I, I can fix your pipes, and the other one talks about, 
healthy water and healthy pipes, then they're more likely, you know, to get more business. And they can look different and better than your competition. Definitely, and also appealing to the emotion as well, because I'd imagine there's plenty of us out there would be just horrified at the thought, well, well am I not drinking healthy, right. healthy water? Am I not? Am I, is a health issue? And, and oh, you know, and, and the, the, about manipulating your clients, you know, if there's, a, if there's a, a genuine ability to improve the health of the pipes and the water quality coming through, well, actually parents out there would probably pay a premium for that as opposed to the commoditization that, is going to happen when if you're competing against yeah, three or four other clubs that have quoted on the, the same. Makes sense. Yep. It does make sense. Yep. And then the final point I think I'd make is um, let's start looking for recurring revenue opportunities and uh, and being clear about the, the success outcome helps us frame new services and products that might generate recurring revenue for us. Um, okay. Now, Paul, I ask a few of these questions to uh, a lot of the guests on the podcast. So what's, what's the... Uh, the best advice you've ever been given from, from a business standpoint or a, or a personal standpoint? Yeah, you know, from a business standpoint, I think the best advice I ever got was actually written. And it was an article that was written by a professor at Harvard, um, a guy called um, Ted Levitt, in um, an article called Marketing Myopia. It wasn't even a book. It was just an article in the Harvard Business Review. And it talked about being absolutely clear about the business that you're in. Um, and many of the, you know, the concepts of a success outcome really flow from that article um, you know, almost 60 years ago. He's credited with creating modern marketing with that one article. It's a, a highly impactful. I'd recommend anybody reading it. That really helped guide my thinking. That was it, what led to us doing our outcomes program in the software company that I last worked for. Okay. Yeah, Ted Levitt. I haven't come across him or not knowingly come across him, Paul, but I'm going to check him out because uh, I, I know a huge difference on you, Bob. Mm, mm, indeed. The career that you've had. The decision you've ever made? <laughs> uh, you know what? Deciding to do this, you know, to, you know, having been in the corporate world for a long time, um, having, I got really involved with this whole idea of customer success and helping customers achieve success and, and how much benefit that could bring to the business that I work for. And leaving the corporate world and um, writing that book, researching and writing the book, and now starting a business around this, I'm, um, I'm really, really pleased that I'm, that I'm doing this. Uh, now, now, we're doing this interview over, over Zoom, but what, what tech do you, do you love about or what, what can't you live without in your small business yeah, I'm a bit geeky. I actually quite like my tech. So, you know, my phone goes with me everywhere and and, uh, and I do like all of the all the mod cons. So I'm not sure there's one item, but the, it's it's almost like there's an ecosystem of technology that supports what we do these days. And uh, and it's that ecosystem that I, that is so embedded in, in the way that I work that I would be hard-pressed to operate without it. So you actually... Um, uh get high blood pressure when you, your phone charges is down below 10% <laughs> and, and uh, you've yeah, exactly. got all those, those first world problems that we never knew existed between um, Book, movie or song changed your life? Yeah, you know, from a, again, like from a professional point of view, Stephen R. Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Professional People, you read that and you go, I get it, this makes sense. And, you know, some of it, starting with the end in mind, yep. working on things that are important um, but not urgent, those sort of ideas. 
I actually changed the way I worked professionally around those ideas and I teach all of the people that work for me those ideas. So I, I do like that book. All right. And getting to the contest, what's the one thing for you makes the biggest difference that if, if you if you at least nail that one thing, everything else tends to look after itself? I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anyone. It's about getting absolute clarity on the outcome that the customer regards as success from the product or service that you provide. Awesome. Love it. Well, Paul, thanks for being a guest on, on uh, today's episode of the podcast. A uh, chunk of value. There's a heap of value. You don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars or anything, but businesses can go in and get some quick wins if they get clear on those six steps. And, yeah, just focus on the customer and what, what ultimately is the customer's um, success outcome. Um, change your way of thinking. The business and the client and the customers are going to be better off for it. So I loved having you on the show and I'm sure there's plenty of value in it for the people that were listening. So thanks so much. A pleasure. there you have it that was my interview with paul henderson from outcome leaders talking about customer success programs so here's a couple of my uh key takeaways from the chat with paul uh number one knowing who your customers are and what does success look like to them so having that clarity will make your job a hell of a lot easier uh, it'll also increase your conversion rate and frankly make your whole marketing approach uh, a lot more efficient and cheaper because you know exactly who you're marketing to number two understanding what a success outcome looks like to your customer again this is not the hole in the wall that some people are falling in mistake using paul's example people don't want the hole in the wall what they want is a portrait hanging up so once we understand the final success outcome, that's where we can really get some client engagement and be a lot closer to really meeting what our client's expectations are. Next takeaway, thinking outside the square. So really encourage people to just take some time and think outside the square, forget the status quo about why things can't work and just throw a whole lot of ideas, uh, new ideas about your industry and what could work. Paul's example about the restaurant and the, the busy family restaurant and the, perhaps an app in the restaurant or even a plumber who's not just for an emergency but creating new products around healthy pipes and perhaps coming up with new products, uh, healthy pipes and also water filtration systems. So thing outside the square, if you do that, there will be something in there that will make you stand out from your competitors and will be a new service line that you can offer. Other takeaway, why would we do a customer success program? One, if we get our thinking caps on, we'll come up with new products. Differentiates us from our competitors. Those new products ideally will have new margins. If we have a customer success program and we've got we're really meeting our clients' true true success outcome, then we're going to have sticky clients, and that means ultimately better cash flow and our business is going to be worth more the time we eventually sell it. And the last thing Paul mentioned that I really like and I encourage your listeners to go check out on Google is Theodore Levitt Marketing Myopia. And that is a Harvard Business Review article. I'll put it in the show notes actually. And it is just talks about knowing the business you're in. And once you're clear on the business you're in, everything else will flow from that a lot easier. So highly encourage people to go check that article out. I went and checked it out following the chat with Paul and absolutely it, it is gold. So take the time to have a read of that and I'm sure we'll all have it. So hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast and looking forward to you joining us for the next episode.